Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. everybody. Hi. I am Carol Ann. This is Matt. Welcome to another episode of Boozed and Confused. Obnoxious. <laughs> that's how you drink whiskey. Oh, you have to let everybody know you're drinking whiskey and that's what makes it taste better? Yeah, slurp it. Uh, yeah, so welcome to another episode of Boozed and Confused. I know last week I said that this week was going to be a Matt episode. But I lied. Again, this is a Carol Ann episode because Matt has been very busy uh, with work. So I'm taking over and I have a topic that I'm really excited to talk about because uh, it's just really fucked up. So that's what gets me excited and out of bed in the morning. Uh, but before we get into that, housekeeping items... The first one, we're on all your favorite social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if social media isn't your thing, you can find us at uh, boozedandconfusedpodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from everybody, especially everybody on Twitter. Shout out to the pod fam. I'm just not as great at Twitter this week or anything this week because our executive producer has been very needy. <laughs> very needy, a lot of opinions, and it's been difficult. The next item is if you listen to the pod and you like us and you want to support us, the best way you could do that is by just leaving us a review and following, subscribing wherever you get your podcast, um, especially if it's Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It really makes a huge difference for us and for any like small indie pod that you listen to, I promise. Um, I always love seeing reviews from people. And the coolest part is if you take a screenshot and you send it to us, we will send you some Boost and Confuse stickers for free. I would prefer gift cards to like Benny's or something. Do not send us um, anything. Five dollar increments, Yeah, don't send us anything that we'd have to report to the IRS. Five dollars ain't going to do nothing. I don't know. I'd, IRS. I'm not, IRS don't care about $5. I'm not smart enough about tax stuff, and I know that they'll come after me because we're small enough and not a large corporation. So we're the easy pickings for them. The last item before we get into it is what are you drinking? Bit of Maker's Mark. Oh, very nice. I hate whiskey so it's much. A, oh, my, my God. Favorites. It makes me gag. It's my favorite affordable bourbon. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's sweet. We actually went to the Maker's Mark Distillery. We did. It's right off the expressway. Oh, not at man. all inconvenient to get to. It uh, might be two miles straight off the road, but uh, all the curves and turns you take—it's all back roads too. It's awful. And the speed limit is like fifty, but you know nobody that doesn't live there is going more than like thirty-five because it's all blind corners. Yeah. yeah. So it's great. It's 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 Maker's Mark bourbon. Um, I was watching John Wick earlier. Uh, that's like all he drinks is bourbon. Just got you in the mood. Uh, yeah, and I just want to be Keanu Reeves. Yeah, 
or don't like we as all? cool as Keanu Reeves is. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? Um, I'm actually drinking for the first time in like a few episodes. Shock. I know. Um, so I am drinking a drink called the Finnish Long Drink. Um, this was given to us by a very kind neighbor. Um, but it's a unique taste of natural grapefruit and juniper berry flavors with gin. It's not usually what I would go for. I would usually go for a beer, but this is so damn refreshing and like a really nice summer drink that I highly encourage everyone to go check it out. It's really cool. There's like a cool little story on it. Um, and also I just feel cool drinking it. I'm going to be honest. So I feel cultured. How about that? It is a really cool drink. I actually really enjoy it. It's really nice. It's really nice. The can is very aesthetic. It just feels good in the hand. <laughs> yep, it is. It's nice. It's a really nice drink. I really encourage everyone to... I don't know where to buy this. I'm going to have to look it up after... I think this is our last can, so I'll have to look up where to buy it. Um, but highly recommend checking it out. Super good. So... I think without further ado, we should get into the episode. All right. So there are a few things guaranteed in life. What are they? Traffic during the summer. Okay. No. Construction. Not, not where I was going. You got two seasons in Chicago. You got winter and then you got construction that, season. That is true. Okay. So it's death, taxes, and if you live in the U.S., the Land fact... Land erosion. No. <laughs> the fact that you've probably seen the, uh, my name is Doug and I have mesothelioma commercial. Oh, I was thinking about the, um, I got diabetes. Oh, well, that, yeah, I'm that too. Wilfred, that Walt, I'm Walter Brimley and I got diabetes. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about Walter today. We're talking about Doug and mesothelioma. The diabetes intensifies as the mustache grows a smile. Oh, my God. All right. So we're not just going to talk about asbestos and mesothelioma as a whole today because there's like a lot that we can really dive into there. Um, but we're going to talk about one place in particular. It's a town called Whitnoom, and it's been referred to as Australia's Chernobyl, which is pretty fucked up because I didn't even know about it until I started researching this. Um, but it's pretty catastrophic. So before we get into the specifics, I want to give some background that might help if you're unfamiliar with asbestos and mesothelioma, which, to be honest, I completely was until we bought a house and started DIY renovations. Um, so just a warning, if you have a house built before the 80s and you're doing DIY reno, make sure you understand what you're working with. Um, because I think a lot of like homeowners just jump into DIY stuff and maybe don't understand like what's going on in the house and what kind of like hazardous materials they could be working with. So I definitely remember um, a couple of big events from this. Um, we won't get into specific. Like that time you made me drive that piece of tile to that random uh, store. Testing facility. It was literally. To test for asbestos. Down an alley, down another Not alley. Not sketchy. We know a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> Anyways. So. For those who aren't familiar, asbestos is a natural mineral that's existed and been used since as far back as like the Stone Age, um, but it wasn't really used on a large scale until mining towards the end of the 19th century began. So asbestos became pretty popular because it has physical properties that make it a, quote, 
great <laughs> building material, meaning that it's like heat resistant. It's a great electrical insulator um, and it was really widely available. So there are six mineral types that are classified as asbestos. All six are known carcinogens. The most um, common ones, there's chrysoteal, which is what you might find in like brake linings or floor tiles. Um, there's amosite, which is what you would find in like fire retardant insulation products like ceiling tiles. And then there's um, chrysidolite, which is the blue asbestos that we will be talking about today. Which was the one they used in the um, Wizard, Wizard of, of Oz. Oz? Yeah. So fun fact, um, the Wizard of Oz had scenes of like snowing and then behind the scenes stuff, they showed like people having like wheel wheelbarrow races full of like asbestos and um, they'd like play in piles of asbestos and it was literally asbestos that they would use for these scenes. Um, so I don't know which kind <laughs> it was, but uh, th there's no good kind of asbestos, I would say. Man, to like live in that era or it's like three out of Four doctors prefer camel cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Camel. Yeah. The ones that doctors like. Mar Marlboro. This is how you know I've never been a smoker. I can hardly even pronounce it, but. You just like Marlboro. Yeah, there you go. No, it just doesn't roll off it's the like, tongue for like me. two syllables. Yeah. Mar Mar Marlboro. All right, I'm, I'm done with this. So, amosite and chrysidolite are considered the most hazardous of the six, um, Usually they determine this looking at like people who have worked in these environments and um, seeing the effects on like the human body. So once the 70s hit, the effects on human health were becoming like much more apparent, um, aka publicized because the human health effects were known well beforehand, but like I think pretty suppressed uh, by a lot of industries. So what's scary is that it was so popular, it was used in a ton of buildings, both commercial and residential, um, that were built before the 80s. So I'm not kidding. If you own a home that was built <laughs> before the, the 80s, there's probably asbestos in your house. Not to scare you, but um, maybe just don't go play in like the old insulation up in your attic or something. Well, but like if your house was built after like 1980, it was made out of like plastic. So <laughs> stop it. Um, so you can find asbestos and in insulation and in tiles, mastic, pipe wrapping. It's fucking everywhere. It's in so many different building uh, building materials. There you go. If uh, if Carol Ann gets to five f bombs in the episode, uh, you get a free gallon of milk. <laughs> We're at three. <laughs> what were the other ones I had? Oh, you know what? No, I remember. You're at, you're at three. If you I say Are you more. counting? Uh, I always count when this you swear. This is so rude. This is. You I are didn't so foul mouth. I did not sign up for this. You are so foul mouth. I have, I have a new place of employment that I need to, I need to be careful. This is not my problem. This is entirely your problem. All right. So the fibers within asbestos. <laughs> are only dangerous when they're disturbed. So if they're currently in your basement tile and like your tile's in good condition, you're totally fine. Uh, but if you start to break it up and like snort it, um, you're going to run into issues probably. And it was incredibly prevalent in the World Trade Centers, actually. Um, so you can imagine when they collapsed, um, a lot of people in New York City probably have long-term lung issues. Well, from know, not just 
asbestos, but everything else that kind of came with it. Do you know how much John Stewart has done for the firefighters? Yes. I, re- I remember watching. The I think video. for all first responders, I don't think it's just yeah, the firemen. Yeah, 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 first yeah. responders. Yeah, uh, what he's done for the first responders is is absolutely. I mean, it's what should have been done in the first place. Yeah, it's, it's nothing, sad that we have to have like a out of late night comedian <laughs> go to Congress to try to fund, uh, you know, like medical costs for them. But right, but he he did exactly what had to happen. Yeah. So some of the known health issues relating to inhaling asbestos fibers are lung conditions like asbestosis and cancer. And when you hear those mesothelioma commercials, um, it's such a profitable niche that, you know, for those lawyers that they pour millions into advertising to take your case on because we've kind of gotten to a point as a society where we understand like there's a lot of funds that have been set up. So if you are someone who develops mesothelioma and you used to work in like a hazardous workplace, um, there's probably a really good chance that you are entitled to compensation from a fund like that. Or, you know, it's, I don't know. There's a lot that's developed in the last like 20 years. Um, I would say, yeah, probably last 20 years for people in, in those conditions. So the really unfortunate part and the scary part is that mesothelioma is super aggressive and deadly, so there's also no cure. And once you're diagnosed, the five-year survival rate is about 10%. Brutal. And the median survival time from first signs of illness is less than 12 months. So it's pretty much like, I think what I was reading was the average lifespan of somebody who first gets symptoms is like, four to 12 months um, after that because it's so aggressive. It's it's really scary. It's, I don't know. I think mesothelioma is like one of the scariest cancers because pretty much as soon as you're diagnosed, you're effed. <laughs> Ooh, you caught yourself <laughs> is, there. Isn't that allowed? You caught yourself Is that there. allowed? <laughs> you, get, uh, you get five Fs to I, count to one F-bomb. Okay, great. <laughs> So what is insane about asbestos to me is that it's banned in 67 countries and territories with like maybe some small exceptions. I don't know if it's like based on product or you're grandfathered into something, Um, but there's a few large countries where it's still totally legal and mined. Um, The U.S., Mexico, Vietnam, and Russia are places where it's still legal in some capacity, and Russia is actually the leader in asbestos production and second largest consumer of asbestos, only behind China. (laughs) But why? Um, You know, I don't really know. Money. That's why. Everything is because money. (laughs) Um, So... I, I do actually have a couple things about asbestos here from Russia. So if you remember like three or four years ago, there was a really big news story about a Russian company that was branding asbestos with Donald Trump's face <laughs> saying that he was on their side um, since Trump said he didn't believe that asbestos was dangerous. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but that that totally happened. You can Google it and look at the pictures. Uh, very bizarre. Probably one of the things that like was reported on during that presidency and people were like, what the hell? <laughs> like, didn't see that coming. I don't recall this. You don't? But I do remember other things, um, such as the Alamo. <laughs> um, Great. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll go with the Alamo. Okay. And uh, I remember where my car keys are. 
I, most of the time, it doesn't matter if I'm in a store for five minutes or 50 minutes, uh, I forget where I park. Oh, there's that. I thought you were going to talk about your car keys and how you have me install a key hook next to the door and you just leave them in your purse. Oh, you know what's funny is how we have a little, um, like, shoe liner or shoe tray next to the the door um you know see if you want to play this game i'll play this game too yeah we also have that next to the door it's actually right underneath the key hook um but your shoes never actually make it into the tray they're always next to the tray um near like the kitchen island but like never in the tray it doesn't matter if the tray is empty or full this is for our marriage counselor isn't it <laughs> this is just hey marriage counselor of the future this is just uh tip of the iceberg a lot more coming at you Pull up a chair. We got some whiskey right here. Here we go. Yeah. All right. So back to Russia. Um, I can see Russia from my house. Um, not so fun fact. The high production numbers of Russia come from a city called Asbest, which I don't know. Like, did they name Asbest because of the asbestos or is it? Which one came first? Uh, yeah. I have no the idea. chicken or the egg. So, um, Asbest is also actually known as the dying city because of the high rates of mesothelioma and related diseases. Um, one mine there is like seven miles long, more than a thousand feet deep, and it's about 20% of the world supply, which is insane. Just one mine from this place, 20% of the world supply. Oh my goodness. It's a lot. So uh, what's really interesting is that the two largest asbestos producers in Russia um, – say that the specific asbestos that they mine, which is the um, chrysotil, isn't harmful when the use is controlled. Which is basically saying, like, well, this asbestos tile isn't harmful if it's installed properly, um, but you're, like, kind of ignoring all the steps that it takes to get in between that. <laughs> so It's like saying, this nuclear radiation isn't so bad <laughs> yeah. if it doesn't blow up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so all of this being said, I don't mess with asbestos and neither should you, but you know who does? Donald Trump? No. Well, yes. Theoretically. Australians. Yes. Uh, yes. Crikey. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a knife. This is a knife. Oh, good old fucking knifey. Uh, Whitnoom, Australia is who used to mess with asbestos, I guess. So let's get into a little bit of history about the town. So, asbestos was first known about in the area since 1917-ish. Within Whitnoom is the Whitnoom Gorge, which was first discovered by a man named Langley Hancock um, in the early 1930s. So, 1937 comes around. He takes some of the samples of the blue asbestos in the gorge, passes it on to some other chaps in the area, and then he learns that it would be like 70 pounds um, per ton or about $95 per ton for asbestos so to bring that up to speed with inflation that's like two thousand dollars per ton in today's money that's a dollar a pound yes that's a great calculation yes thank you one for one ratio is that australian dollars or u.s dollars um i converted this to u.s dollars does australia have a dollar well back in the day they were i think going off pounds i don't know you know what um australians call redheads what rangers what does that mean orangutan oh i'm sorry should i call you it might be no you can't you can't say that word it it might be kiwis it's one of those it's like australian or uh new zealand 
It's one of those uh, two places. Uh, yeah. Look, they sound kind of similar. Kind of, yeah. If you blindfolded me and gave me like a list of like 12 people, I could probably get nine of them correct. Great. Yeah. But they call us ringers. Yeah. By us, I mean Yeah, no, no, I'm not in that us. Gingers. No, 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 no. You're not in that. No. No, but I am. I'm up in there. Yeah. So Hancock uh, learns how profitable this is. Immediately is like, I'm calling dibs (laughs) on the best parts of the Wittenoom Gorge. So fast forward to the 1950s. Wittenoom is um, the Pilbara region's largest town, and according to Australian Work, Health, and Safety Commerce, it was the country's only supplier of asbestos, with around 161,000 tons being mined um, from 1950 to the early 60s. And at its peak, about 20,000 people lived and worked there. So it was like a pretty decent-sized town for the time, and it was very um, prosperous. So while this is going on, um, there's a small number of doctors in the public health department that are warning of the public health dangers. So the two doctors are Dr. Eric Saint, which is a very ironic name, and Dr. Jim McNulty, who we will also talk about later. Um, But they felt that they were pretty much ignored um, with all of the evidence that they were proposing and like the, the bells that they were ringing. So CSR which is the name of the mining company at the time, did not want to admit the risks at all. Um, the mines department thought that they could like handle and solve the dust problems within the city. And it really wasn't until the 50s that the department made regular physical inspections of workers, although chest x-rays were taken from the start to kind of show the effects. So according to Australian Asbestos Network, In Western Australia, the first publicly recognized diagnosis of asbestosis um, that was reported in, like, official statistics was made in 1959, and the first diagnosis of mesothelioma was um, reported in 1962. So, the 60s come along. There's, like, increasingly public medical evidence. Emphasis on the public, um, because I think there's a lot of medical evidence that was being talked about that, like, was not making it to the people who should have known about it, aka the people who are getting mesothelioma and asbestosis. Um, So this becomes public and it shows the health risks associated with asbestos, especially to minors and their families, Um, but that didn't stop anything in Whitnoom at all. The mining company CSR, the government authorities just like kept trucking away, pretending like literally sweep it under the rug. Not a big deal. So 1966 comes along and the town is just shut down for good. And after hearing all of that, you would think, oh my God, they're finally doing right by the workers. No, (laughs) they weren't shutting down because everybody was getting sick. And there's a lot of concern about the younger men um, who had like much shorter levels of exposure, but still getting gravely ill. Um, But they shut down because it just wasn't profitable anymore. (laughs) They decided it was not worth their venture anymore, so they just completely shut the town down. Um, So here's the part that's really effed up. That's two. (laughs) So the doctors know, the mining companies know, the mining department knows uh, all about the dangers of asbestos at this point. And you know who doesn't know? Scotty. (laughs) Scotty doesn't know. (laughs) That Fiona and me. 
Um, or breathing in. What's breathing in uh, asbestos, asbestos fibers? Fibers <laughs> every Sunday. Okay, so who also doesn't know is uh, the entire public that lives there. The people that lived in this town for years breathe this in daily, uh, you know, and even after the town is shut down, they talk about how they didn't know, no one told them anything, and they had no idea the dangers of what was going on, um, which I think is pretty sad. So, as we said before, a man who is widely attributed with exposing the health risks from asbestos mining at Whitnoom is a man named Dr. Jim McNulty. Um, so he originally worked in England as a chest physician in an area where there was a lot of like dust disease from coal mining and pottery. Um, and he was asked to go to Calgorley. I I'm sorry. I've written this a million times and I didn't look up the pronunciation of it. So uh, he went to Calgary, which is like a city in Western Australia and Australians, all three of you that listen, uh, please feel free to, to butcher me We've got on three? Twitter. <laughs> um, but they needed somebody who was, you know, experienced in dust diseases and TB. So he goes there, he's a chest physician. He becomes a medical superintendent of the hospital and his unit starts doing x-rays of the asbestos miners in Wittenoom. They send this like mobile x-ray unit, if you will. And he said that they showed, quote, a very considerable degree of lung disease due to asbestos. And it was so bad, in fact, that there were x-ray changes due to asbestos in lungs of miners who had only worked there for two years, which would be quite incredible by any occupational health standard. So these dudes had worked there for maybe a couple of years and they had severe lung damage um, for even just the short amount of time that they were working in the mines, which is pretty sad if you think about it. There's this whole big interview that McNulty does that I've linked in the show notes, but I'm going to read an excerpt from it. So he goes to Whitnoom himself and he describes the following. The whole town was laid with asbestos tailings as road surfacing, when you stepped off the plane, there was a flurry of dust which contained asbestos fibers. We drove up in the car to the pub to stay the night, and as the car stopped, the dust became airborne, and you could feel the dust in your teeth almost. So every vehicle movement, as it was later in the town, stirred up dust which contained asbestos fibers. At Wittenoom, you didn't have to work in the mine to develop dust disease because the extensive use of the tailings around the town site so that mine managers and the managerial staff were often affected, as particularly sadly, so were the children you gotta remember like especially this part is this part is me especially the families um you know like the the wives would be doing laundry afterwards and like touching all of the clothing of the kids who were probably playing in it and the husbands who were working in it um so there was like nobody who was not affected by it in the town back to uh, McNulty's interview the entrance of the mine was halfway up a cliff, hill face, and the dust was very bad all the way throughout the mine. What was a very bad feature, particularly bad feature, was the dust extraction scheme. The dust extraction system removed some of the dust and it discharged it above roof level, but it flowed back to the mill and staff offices. The dust was also discharged at the same level as the main entrance to the underground mine, so the air entering the mine already contained dust. Even when the expensive extractor was working properly, it merely took the dust out of the mill and dumped it onto the lawns, making it more dangerous outside than inside the mill. You just love to see how 
we take the stuff of the earth and just ruin it make it 10 times worse yeah we're really good at that as like a species that's why aliens don't want to come visit us they're like "Mm, (laughs) i don't think so Mm. so oh sorry go ahead bp spilled oh my god in the gulf bp doesn't remember (laughs) we're sorry (laughs) i don't know if they even apologize to be honest we're so sorry yeah i don't i don't think they're very sorry So McNulty said that because the airline that goes into the area was owned and operated by the company who owned the mine, they knew everyone that was coming into the area pretty much. And he believed because of that, that the poor conditions he saw the miners working in, plus the poor condition of the environment, was actually like a dressed up version of how bad things were to make it seem better than it was. So if you can imagine like how bad he saw things, he thinks that things were generally worse than that on a daily basis, but that they (laughs) tried to like put a bow on it and be like, here you go. Get the dust all wet. It won't float. (laughs) Oh God. Well, that was another problem. Like they, he talked about how uh, there was pretty much like no way for them to wet down the fibers. Um, which is a problem in and of itself. So obviously McNulty sees how bad things are and he goes to tell management about how terrible everything is for the workers and everybody that lives there. And management comes back and basically says like, well, how bad can it be? It's just dust, isn't it? (laughs) And so he tries to tell them about the disease that he's already found in the miners after like such a short time being in the mine. And they basically just did not give a shit at all. Um, which is terrible. So another excerpt from his interview. So regarding the situation and like why things progressed the way that they did, um, Jim said it was a tragedy and should not have been allowed to develop as it did. But I did recognize the needs for development in Western Australia at that time. I recognized to the lack of awareness of the scale of the problems, which were partially due to deliberate blindness, closing your mind to it, partially due to um, isolation and how far away it was. I mean, it might have well as been in Timbuktu if you live in Whitnoom as far as people in Perth were concerned. The lack of feedback from it because most of the workforce were migrants off ships with very little English and who were sent up there and who went unseen as you would like, unheard. And the whole climate in Western Australia at the time was pro-development against anything which inhibited that. That about sums it up, really. The governments did not want to be aware of problems, so they were inclined to close their eyes and close their ears to problems. So he pretty much is saying, like, everyone knew it was a problem. No one wanted to do anything about it because businesses would be hurt because they would start losing money. Yeah. Caring for people is bad business. <laughs> yeah. It turns out if you start taking ethics into consideration, you would probably lose a lot of money, um, which is why we have sweatshops and like fast fashion. Even after the town is shut down for mining operations and whatnot, it becomes this like huge tourist site very strangely. Um, what's interesting is if you look at it on a map, it's right near or next to or like within this national park in the area. Plus also people love a good ghost town. I personally went to one ghost town. I think it was called Cisco in Utah. And I like convinced my mom to drive there. It was maybe like 30-ish or 60-ish, 60-ish miles outside of like where we were staying. 
and I convinced my mom to drive us out there. There's like no cell phone reception whatsoever. How the hell did you do that? <laughs> 60 miles? I... <laughs> there's no gas stations. There's nothing. So I'm like telling my mom like, oh yeah, it's, you know, how we went to, uh, like the Maker's Mark distillery right off the expressway. That's a tourist <laughs> attraction. That's a place people want to go. You always pick these obscure. <laughs> That's the beginning of a horror movie. It really Let's is. Let's go to this ghost town. Wait, You're but such it gets, a white person. It gets, <laughs> You're such a white person. It gets worse. So we go to this ghost town. It's actually really, really cool. There's um, mm. all the mm. old buildings. So you can see like the original general store. You can see the post office. And pretty much as soon as the railroad in the area went up, um, you know, people just started to bypass the town and the town itself kind of just died. Um, but a lot of like outlaws would live in the area. You know, there's and like you some wanted people to go there. Yeah. Yeah. So we did go there and it was cool. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I probably I don't know if I would do it again. I feel like I'm a different person. This is like not even 10 years ago, but well, yeah, a little if different. Was with me, we would not that would have do been it. a hard no. We would not do it. I've learned to say no a bit more or a bit more firmly and just kind of have a little foot down time. I just I pick my my battles and they're really simple. Ghost Ghost Town is where you put your foot down. That's an easy foot down. That's fine. That's fine. So the health effects of Whitnum have been recorded since the 60s. And in Western Australia, there have been about 1,500 people diagnosed with mesothelioma. That's also a little outdated reporting. So it's probably higher than that at this point. Um, But that's mesothelioma specifically. So 1,500 people and not just sick with like other lung-related illnesses. And about 300 of those came from Whitnum. And another report said it's estimated that by like 2020, so last year, uh, the total deaths in the country attributed to asbestosis is as high as 45,000, uh, with several thousand of them being attributed to exposure in Whitney Malone, which is pretty tragic. Again, money over people. Yeah, of course. And here's the part that's really messed up. Um, do you know how many F-bombs I have written? in my notes here because I kind of just like write my notes as I'm thinking things um so of course there's a lot of I'm censoring myself for you I hope you're happy because you don't want to pay for the milk (laughs) yeah so um the part that's really messed up is the people who have died like most recently are people who lived in the town as kids and died so they were young in the town um and then they died like in their 50s and because of the amount of diagnosis, diagnoses, diagnosis, di- the amount of people who are diagnosed <laughs> and died, um, it's made Western Australia one of the world's hotspots for mesothelioma, which is really tragic and, and, and sad. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting is that there is a ruling recently, I guess, in favor of the mesothelioma victims of Wittenoom back in 1988. And the judge said that CSR acted with continuous conscious and um, contumult. What? (laughs) They did bad things and they didn't care about their worker safety. (laughs) I want to know what the word is. Can you spell it? Um, (laughs) C-O-N-T-U-M-E-L-I-O-U-S. Contumelius. Contumelius? 
on. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Normally, I would just edit this out, but you know what? I don't care. We're doing it live. This is who we really are. You can take it or leave it. Uh, so you're probably thinking at this point, what does Australia do with Wittenoom? Um, the Western Australia government officially shuts the town down in 2006, right? Shit got shut down back in like the 60s. They officially shut the town down in 2006. They declare it like a contaminated site. They take out all government services like they turned off the power grid um, and they basically do zero attempts to clean it up. And they take it a step further in 2007 uh, and just remove it from the map entirely uh, in an attempt to like discourage tourists and, and people to go there. You can, what's really cool is you can look at it on Google Maps and you can kind of like go through the town and see some of the abandoned buildings um, instead of, you know, going in person and taking that risk. Uh, I personally did it and it was really neat. Um, it's kind of neat because you can see some of the, there's a place called, I think like Doc Holidays that used to be like a cafe. Um, I don't know, some other stuff that's like still around. And then of course, like there are a few people who still live there. At least one person still lives there, I believe. And one thing that's crazy is there's this report done in 2006 that evaluated the continued risks associated with the town. And the report came back that the risk to visitors was medium. So medium risk, even if you're just like... Solid. Passing through for Solid. a little bit. medium. Medium. Um, the risk to residents was extreme. So I don't know. I kind of feel like... Uh, you know how in... I think it was like in Japan, like the older people volunteered to go up and in, in like to go and like clean up. Um, what was it like radiation efforts or something like that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, because they were already older. And I feel like if you live in this town and you were already exposed, like when you were younger, there's probably a really good chance that you... Um, already have some sort of lung disease so like what would be encouraging for you to move out that's not like you're gonna get better that's kind of maybe morbid but um so if you were to go to Wittenoom today you would see road signs warning people to like stay away there are signs that say danger asbestos in the area cancer and lung disease hazard what is probably craziest to me is that there are tourists and like thrill seekers that go to check out the abandoned buildings uh, drive around town, and some even go into the old asbestos mine shafts. Which, like, I can't, I can't understand why you would get up in the morning and be like, "Yes, this is how I'm gonna get my adrenaline for the day," with a side of like long-term lung disease. I don't know. Well, you remember that show? Uh, was it Dark Tourist? I'm so happy you said that because that was next in my notes. <laughs> All right, glad I glad I'm reading them right now. Oh, yep. Here's here's the note right here. He's picking up a glass of whiskey and drinking it. Yeah. So mm. I was saying, like, I'm kind of surprised that that guy from Dark Tourist didn't go there, but I almost feel like it's too much of a risk. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like that's something that I feel like the health risks have been shown, and that's maybe a little bit too much for him, probably. Look, so, one visit shaves off a few months of life. To this place. Maybe a few I years. I don't know, yeah, man. I feel like, years. I maybe. feel like, you know how they always say like you can never get your hearing back and stuff like that. So you should really just protect your hearing. And when you go to like concerts and stuff, I feel like your lungs are the same way. 
There's no way to remove asbestos fibers from your lungs. Well, if if you do as best as you can, <laughs> m- maybe maybe you get it out. You just gotta just gotta do as best as you can. Oh, that's terrible. That is terrible. I laughed too hard at that. Uh, so. The Australian government has been buying up properties to relocate residents for years. It's been a really long time and they've been paying for like relocation costs. And it sounds like they were giving residents like $325,000 for their first property and then paying like $65,000 for every like property after that. In 2018, there were still three residents who lived there, and the government planned to force them out. And the following year, in 2019, it was reported that only one person still lived there. A morbid point. I don't know if the other two left or died. I'm going to go with the latter. Yeah. Um, At one point, the residents... I mean, this is kind of smart. I don't know. The residents had, like, a camping ground. There was a guest house. There was, like, a gem shop for tourists that stopped by um it doesn't sound like any of it's operational anymore i think like the gem shop um like roof collapsed at one point there's like no sign of the camping ground anymore but kind of smart of those people who decided to stay there to like capitalize on the dumb people that decide to get their kick set in this bestest filled town but yeah there's like thousands of travelers who go to Wittenoom annually as part of that like extreme tourism which is more than I honestly thought I I would maybe guess like a couple hundred but I guess the thing that helps is like it's so close to that national park that you know maybe people are like oh it wouldn't hurt to just stop by I don't know it sounds pretty boring what a ghost town visiting a ghost town I don't know it's kind of neat I mean it sounds boring but also extremely dangerous because Who's going to be some place that no one goes to? Who's going to be there? Bad, bad people. Bad boys. Bad boys. Bad boys. Bad boys. I don't, I don't want to be near bad boys. Um, yeah, no bad boys here. So I think, I don't know. I think the reason that I found that ghost town in Utah so interesting was because you could still see all of the old buildings uh, and like kind of how daily life was like the general store was right near the post office and the post office could fit like two people inside it was super small um but in Wittenoom I mean the government like destroyed pretty much every trace that they could of buildings there so there's actually a woman uh named Lenise who was like interviewed she's a a local um she lost her two grandfathers three uncles and her father to mesothelioma after they worked in the mines in Wittenoom and she's been saying that she's like on this um social media group I'm gonna go with Facebook Mm -hmm. it sounds like my aunt Lenise is on Facebook in a Facebook group um for like an extreme tourist group Um, and she said that she watches tourists visit the area and then post about it on social media and that she sees posts pretty regularly of things that are like, this is not funny. Parents who take their kids swimming to like the Wittenoom Gorge with captions being like, relaxing drive and day out at Wittenoom. So these people are taking their kids swimming in like an asbestos filled area. But it's wet asbestos, so it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I still probably wouldn't take that chance. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting, uh, which was going to be the original topic that I was going to talk about today, but it 
turned into this solely because uh, I really hadn't heard about it before. Um, there's a town called Libby, Montana, um, in the U.S., obviously, that had a very similar issue, right? There's a lot of asbestos mining. There were a lot of attempts to cover it up, um, you know, and people want the Australian government to clean Whitnoom up instead of just pretending like it doesn't exist, like wiping it off of the map, literally. Um, and so in Libby, Montana, there are 400 residents who died. Almost 3,000 more are suffering from asbestos-related illnesses, and their mine closed in 1990, um, but there wasn't really national attention around it for cleanup until like 1999. And the town was placed on the EPA's Superfund list in 2002. The company that owned the mines, WR Grace, was ordered to provide like $250 million for future cleanup costs. Um, and the EPA declared like this public health emergency in Libby, which is like, I think the first time that they've ever done that. Um, and they finally closed or like wound down their cleanup efforts in 2018 and deemed it like safe. I don't know that I would trust that, but that's kind of what people are looking for Australia to do um, within Whitnoom itself. I just find it so strange that the government's like, <laughs> just pretend like it doesn't exist. If you take the, if you take it off the map, no one will go there. Like GPS coordinates aren't a thing. Um, and you could still totally put Whitnoom into Google and find it. So I don't really know how much taking it off the map did. Yeah, not 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 much. much. <laughs> Maybe made it more popular. Yeah, I think so. But that's kind of all I've got for today. Uh, you know, I really like my government cover-ups and my uh corporate. Ooh, I was going to say blunders, but I feel like this is much more than a blunder. Like having Kylie Jenner, was it Kylie Jenner uh, in that Pepsi, Pepsi commercial? commercial. <laughs> That's a blunder. Have you seen the memes oh my God. Kylie Jenner and, and the, the Taliban? Taliban? Yeah. Oh, I hate the Jenners. Yeah. I think they're the worst yeah. people in the world. Yeah. Like, great if you're into like like making tons of money, but they have no soul. Yeah, no, of course they don't. They have no soul. I feel like... I hope a vast, is okay. I do too. I he's think about living, him sometimes. He's living where Atlanta United play soccer. Well, like at least in the last stadium. Week, last week, he last week or two weeks ago, he was he was living in was it Audi Audi Park Audi Stadium. He was living in the stadium. He was living in the stadium. I think that was to promote his new album. Oh, I'll have to look that up. I didn't hear that. Which I, I man, I really hope is good. I loved Kanye West growing up. I just and everything after Dark Twisted Fantasy has just been so weird and like not in a, I, I like weird. I don't know. When we're done I'm gonna check out Spotify and see if it's <laughs> okay. there. I feel bad for for Kanye West. I feel like that man had like a a, a full nationally public breakdown and uh Oh, I feel bad for anyone even linked to the Jenners. Yeah, they're they're just soul crushing people. Kardashians. I, yeah, I, I don't I know think the, the difference. Same I think they are creatures. the same. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, anyways, I, oh, I hate the I, I hate them so much. <laughs> Not how I expected at the end of the episode, but uh, yeah, that's all I've got for today. You should totally go to Google Maps and look at Whitnoom and do like the little. Um, you could do like the little street view and you just like plug in the little like orange guy to where you want to go 
Um, and you'll see there's like a main road that goes through it. And then there's a bunch of like little side roads that, that kind of go around town and you can just like scoot your way through town and see like all the abandoned buildings and stuff. It's very neat. Um, it's also just strange because there's, when you get closer to like what town actually is, there's a lot of signs that are like sign for this place or sign for this place. And like, obviously no signs to be like this is Wittenoom mm-hmm. <laughs> um which is just bizarre to see so that's that's it for today go check out Wittenoom um go read about asbestos don't do any DIY renovations unless you know what you're working with and uh be kind to your bodies you only get one you only get one okay yeah <laughs> we can that's a this is everyone's reminder to drink more water but not me because I'm having a finished long drink. I finished my whiskey, so I actually am having water. Yeah, drink drink your water, everybody. Take your vitamin C and uh, go outside for some vitamin D. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.